You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Hey, last week I didn't tell you what I was teaching on because I knew if I did, most of you wouldn't be here. I'm talking about finances and uh, every pastor's favorite topic because he knows if he announces it, people will find something else to think about other than finances. And so um, it's one of those, I think it's a necessary topic just because it is. It's, it's, it's a discipleship topic because Jesus talks about it quite a bit and we'll think a little bit about Think more about that today as well. But as we continue our series, A New Me in 23, we've talked about what it means to be uh, spiritually fit. What does it look like to be emotionally fit? What does it look like to be physically fit? And then also to be financially fit. And next week, there's not another fit. So we'll go into Ephesians. Okay, that makes sense. And so um, I'm looking forward to that. But today we're we're thinking about finances and what does it look like to be to be whole in that and to have a proper perspective of what God has blessed us with and and the gifts and resources that he has for us. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise a whole bunch of money because I need a private plane because Jesus, if today would if he were riding in on a donkey today, he would probably ride in on a jet. You know, all those kind of things. I, I, we're not going to do that, all right? Um, now, I would love to go to Hawaii someday. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, let's dig in to this. I want to show you a few little quotes, kind of get your mind wrapped around it. We'll have fun with it. But money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. And this is by the Circus Barnum, P.T. Barnum. And so that's a great truth as well, right? It either owns us or we're able to be free with it. Another one is God can have our money and not have our hearts. But he cannot have our hearts without having our money. And that's where this idea of your checkbook, your ledger is tied to your heart. It's that chain that's whatever you're spending and giving and all that different stuff to your heart is attached to it. Um, it's so true. The world will never be one to Christ with what people can conveniently spare. Yeah, ouch. Um, and pastor circles... The way that it's said is tipping for Jesus is this idea of I'm just going to give a tip. And again, it's it's an idea of, of misunderstanding the generosity that we have for God. And it's not about the amount. It's about the heartbeat behind the giving. Money talks, but all mine ever says is goodbye. We all know that. Like it's just going out the door as fast as it can possibly do. I know that. I remember being a college student and it is just gone. You can't even buy Taco Bell. You're so broke. You know you're broke when you can't even like get stuff out of the couch to get enough for a taco at Taco Bell, right? Or whatever whatever fine dining establishment you're trying to get a taco from. Uh, ben Franklin, money has never made a man happy, nor will it. There is nothing in its nature to produce happiness. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. Wow, that's good stuff. Ben's been said a few good things over the years. Anonymous, just about the time you make both ends meet, somebody moves the ends. And usually that starts with a G and ends with government. But uh, they do that, not to get political, but it just happens, right? Some of you have paid your property taxes recently and you're like, oh my goodness. So, well, anyway, we're going to continue this series, end this series on New Me in 23 and thinking about our financial health and what does it look like. And in Scripture, it's it's a big deal. 16 of the 38 parables, which we're going to be teaching out of today in Matthew 25, 16 of the 38 parables, Jesus deals with money. 
And more than anything else in the New Testament, Jesus teaches about and talks about money. He teaches more on money than heaven and hell combined. Um, More than prayer, money is talked about. So this is a discipleship issue. It's something that's close to our heart. It's something that we deal with on a daily basis. And that's why I think Jesus delves into it and wants us to have an idea of how to deal with it and that we should have what I want you to grasp today is open hands to receive what God has for us, but also to continue to have open hands to be able to share what God has given with us. Where We have a tendency to, to receive it and sometimes act like two-year-olds. We receive it, and we hold it, and then we hide it, and we don't ever share it. We don't even want others to know that we have it. And so what does that look like? So over the last few weeks, our theme verse has been Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and um, which is this idea of are we shaped by the word of God or by the world? And so the first part of it, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. In other words, don't get the world's perspective and view on words so that you look and act and think and have the agenda of the world. However, that big butt syndrome that we talk about quite a bit, but let God remold your minds from within. And minds is your character. It's the motivation of of how you do and how you think in, in the New Testament thinking. So, but let God remold your character from within what motivates you so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good. It meets all his demands and moves us toward the goal of true maturity. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 25. And again, this is a parable. So this is a story that Jesus teaches that has principles. Now, this is a a parable that has two things to it. One is it's talking about the return of Jesus, that when Jesus returns and comes back for his children. But also as a part of this, there's stewardship. There's biblical stewardship principles, and there's four of them that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. So you have your Bibles, turn there, verse 14, it says this. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen. If you have these newfangled things called iPhone and Androids, you can have a version, an Olive Garden app, or whatever kind of app you got um, for the Bible. It's good stuff, you can listen and go with it. Um, it says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated, parable, by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one and two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing in a proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. That's pretty good investing, isn't it? We would take that. If some of you are like, man, I could wish I could double my money, that'd be great. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called called them to give an account for how they had used his money. Now, again, it's his money. They're stewards of it. And the servants to whom he had entrusted the five bag of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well, of course, that's a good thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So he'd received five, he doubled it, and in the owner's mindset, this was even a small amount. This wasn't the full amount, this was a small amount. Let's look what he says to the next one. This servant, who'd received two bags of silver, came forward and said, Master, 
You gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. Again, he doubled the investment. Now watch this. What does he say to the one that received five? He said, "Good, well done, my good and faithful servant. What's he say to the one that had two? The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. So here's what I want you to get is this. is It doesn't matter the amount that you've been trusted with. What matters is the obedience with what he's entrusted you with. It's not the amount. It's about the obedience. Whether you have five, whether you have two, whether you have one, God has entrusted us with gifts and abilities and talents and resources. And he says, what are you going to do with what I've entrusted you? He owns it all, but what are we going to do with what we've entrusted? It's about obedience. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look here, your money is back. Now, isn't it interesting that the two before had a whole different perspective of the master than the third one? One saw him as harsh and one saw him as different. And the other two are like, hey, you've given me something and I'm going to do whatever I can to, to make more for you. A different perspective on even who God is and how God inter, interacts with his people. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away from them. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's the the parable where you can see that the end times, that there are those that are going to receive and those that are not. And it has to do with the resources that God has given us. The first thing that I want you to get from this parable is this, is that God owns everything. God owns everything. Everything. Matthew twenty five fourteen. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. It's God's money. It's God's resources. He is giving us stewardship. It says in Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created. He created it. He owns it, and he's never deeded it over to us. To be owners, he's deeded it over to us as his stewards. We're the managers of the house that he's given us. So if God owns it, then he has the right to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, because he's the owner. So if that's true, then that means he has rights, I have responsibilities. Which is a flip from how the world tells us. The world tells us we have our rights, and everything's about our rights. And God says, listen, I own it. I have the rights. You have responsibilities. And so it's interesting, this idea of stewardship means that the father has left the house, the owner has left the house, but he's left someone in charge. And we literally write the checks and we sign his name on his behalf. So every decision we make is for him and by him as if it is him. So that means every spending decision we make is a spiritual decision. (laughs) Take out your checkbooks. (laughs) Is every decision a spiritual spending decision? 
spiritual decision. Now, listen, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I, I, I need a 100-inch TV because I would look so much better streaming on a 100-inch TV, wouldn't I? I mean, we, we do these things. We kind of rationalize this stuff out, and I get it. I understand these different things. But when we really grasp that we're stewarding and managing the house and every decision, a spiritual decision, it changes things. Because it's our bank account then shows our priorities, it shows our goals, it shows our convictions, it shows our relationships, it shows the stewardship of our time by our bank account and how we're managing those things. God owns it all, we're the stewards of it and how that impacts that. Because as it says, the scripture says, there is a chain from our bank account to our heart. You can clearly see what we value, whether it's our children, our grandchildren, our hunting, our entertainment, our clothing, whatever it may be, the bank account shows the reflection of our heart. The second thing I want you to get is this, is God is owner, God is the master teacher, and one of his major tools that he used for teaching us and growing us in our faith is money. So God plus money equals growth. Look at verse 21. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Again, obedience is what we're called to do. Not necessarily how much can we get, how much, but what can we do with what God has given us, the obedience in those things. So because of our obedience, you will now be given many more responsibilities. God gives us resources, and sometimes that's money, sometimes that's talent, sometimes that's some other things. He gives us those things, those resources, and uses that a tool for learning so we can learn who God is and who we are and how we're to love our neighbor. It's also sometimes a test. Do we trust God or do we trust our finances? Do we trust God or do we trust our intelligence? Do we trust God or do we trust the resources? So there's those trust things because whenever we begin to have a moment where we begin to trust our finances or to trust our intelligence, our resources, God has this amazing way of pulling the rug out from underneath us and saying, hey, you're at the end of yourself and trusting in yourself. Now are you going to fully trust in me? Be able to do that. Then also there's an opportunity for us to have a testimony. That there's a testimony is to be able to share what God's done in your heart and your life. And one of the things that I get to be a part of as a pastor that maybe many of you don't get to be, be a part of is to sit across from someone and to hear their testimony of how God has been faithful to them in their finances. That maybe they were, they started out and just things were, it was hard, whatever. And as they've been faithful in a long way, now they're in a season of life where God has blessed them. And it's not just finances, but in some resources. And they've had this open handedness and they continually throughout have been able to say, it's not mine, but it's his. What can I do with his resources for his glory? And so that God uses money to grow us as a tool and to grow us and trust for him and then also just to grow us in our testimony. The next thing I want you to get about finances is that our bank account does not determine your worth. Our bank account does not determine our worth. And one of the ways that we see this in American culture is that there are people that wreck their bank account so that they can look wealthy. They dress a certain way, they buy certain vehicles, they do certain things because they have an image that they think that the world says that they should uphold. And so we go all after that image and wreck our bank account. 
And so our bank account, how much you have or don't have, doesn't equal your worth in God's eyes. Verse 23, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. You've been obedient in handling these small things. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Celebrate together. The author with five talents, whenever the author was talking to the five talents, he said, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. With two talents, what did he say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Whatever God entrusts you with, hold on to with open hands. You can receive, but also be able to give. There's a scripture that says, Jesus tells us, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, a good father hears the requests of his children. And the five-year-old kid that asks for a car is going to get a matchbox. The 30-year-old kid that asks for a car may get a matchbox as well, because that's where they're at. But a good father listens to the requests of his children, and he does what he can to give them what they need in those moments to fulfill the the call that God has on their lives. And sometimes a good father blesses his children with something they want. But scripturally, it has to do with how we receive it and how we share it with those around us. Obedience in the small things, to be able to receive them and to share with others. That one of the reasons maybe we don't have more is because our hands, we've received a few things and our hands have closed up and we've taken them and hidden them and we're not letting anyone else even know that we've got them, not sharing them. The last thing I want you to get from this is that faith requires participation. The steward, the third steward, knew what to do with the money, with the investments. But because of his perspective of who God is, he decided to do nothing. Many of us know what to do. But we choose to do nothing. And this is where I believe that this is one of those places where Scripture and money and faith kind of intermingle well, that we know what to do with our finances and how to be good stewards, but we choose not to. We know that we need to spend more time in God's word, but we choose not to or we we rationalize we're too busy or whatever. We know that we want to get closer to God, and so we want to pray or whatever, and so we know that we need to do that, but... We rationalize that away. We know that we need to have better community or more community, but we're, you know, what are, you see what I'm saying? And so here's that. We know much of our faith stuff. If you around church long enough, you know some of these basic things to do, but. And so when we're not experiencing the fullness of what God has for us, has forth in our, has for us in our faith life, One of the reasons, it's not God's fault. We know, but we don't do. Faith requires participation, but many of us know what to do, but we don't follow through with it in that way. There's a great quote by a guy named Ron Blue, and Ron Blue was before Dave Ramsey and influenced all these current guys. And I think he encapsulates the scriptural truth about stewardship really well. He says it this way, stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. 
It's God-given resources, your time, your talents, your treasures, open-handed living, and a desire to be generous with whatever he gives us. Whatever time you have, whatever resources you have, whatever talents, all those different things matter, and we're stewards of those things. But what are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with the resources that God's given us? I want to challenge you with a few things over today and the next few weeks for you to think about when you think about generosity. First is this. is consider the cost of God's investment in you through Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave everything. The most valuable treasure he had, he gave for us. So when you think about your generosity, consider that. What is the cost of God that he gave for us? How can we be generous as well? The second thing I want you to do is to take a piece of paper and on, on one part put, hey, this is something that I own, or at least I have, um, it's in my house, whether you've got it on a credit card or you got a loan or whatever, something that you've got and the amount of it. So let's say, hey, you just bought a new 150-inch TV, okay? But you got it on a credit card or something. It's there. And so you got this new TV. And then the next to it, put how much, how much is it? And put those for several of those. Those things will come to your mind quickly. Okay? The things that you have and how much they are. And then at the bottom of it, sign your name and give it over to God and say, these are not mine. These are God's. Deed them over to him. You don't own them. You're stewards of them. And the last thing I want you to think about is how can you grow in your generosity? With your time, your serving, how can you grow in your talents where God has placed you that's uniquely you, that you're not fulfilling, fully filling in those duties and responsibilities that you have, and then also the treasure. That may be finances, it may not. But time, talent, and treasure, how can you grow in your generosity over these next few days and these next few weeks? Give away the things on a deed to say, hey, the things that I hold dear to me, I'm giving them over to God. They're his. They're not going to own me. They have a tendency to. And I'm going to give them over to God. What does it look like for us to be generous people, to have open hands and say, God, I, I receive from you whatever you have, and I want to be faithful. Whether you give me five talents, whether you give me two talents, whether you give me one, whether you give me a half, God, I want to receive them, and I want to be obedient with them. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, we are in a world consumed by money. And Father, it's a necessary evil. But Father, I pray that we would be people that have generous hearts with the time, with the talents and treasures that you've given us. And Father, may we be stewards of the God-given resources that you've given us. Father, may through those resources you've given us, may we love our neighbors well. May we love our classmates well. May we love our coworkers well. May we be generous with all that you have given us. May you be honored by the way that we have open hands to receive, but maybe more importantly, to give away. Father, may people see the generosity in us. And say, a person that can be generous like that, I want to know their Jesus. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. 
It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Crosspoint Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.